Welcome to Ziggler show number 386. We have special guest Chris Gillibo with us. He wrote The Art of Nonconformity, a bestseller. The $100 Startup, a bestseller. The Happiness of Pursuit, yet another bestseller. And now he has written Born for This, which we're going to talk about today. Chris has visited every country in the world, literally. And he hosts a yearly event, the World Domination Summit. You can find him at Chris Gillibo, G-U-I-L-L-E-B-E-A-U.com. Or better yet, listen in to this rock star interview. And hey, if you like The Ziggler Show, please subscribe in iTunes and Stitcher. It ensures you get every show, but it also causes a big bump in our rankings and ensures more people get to benefit from the message of Zig. what you are and where you are because of what's gone into your mind. You can change what you are. You can change where you are by changing what goes into your mind. You cannot become what you need to be by remaining what you are. If you can't take a huge step to begin with, take as big a step as you can, but take it now. That's the key. Take it now. You can have everything in life you want if you'll just help enough other people get what they want. Today's a brand new day, and it's yours. Welcome to The Ziggler Show, where we continue the legacy of Zig Ziggler, the world's foremost authority on the fuel for everything we pursue, motivation, inspiration, and a confident self-image. We apply that fuel to leadership, personal growth, sales, faith, family, and success. Our foundational purpose is to inspire true performance, and this is the goal of every show. I'm Kevin Miller, show host and devoted evangelist of inspiration. Tom Ziegler, Zig's son and the CEO of Ziegler, and I come to you every week to discuss Zig's teachings and bring you the absolute best of today's most inspirational leaders. We get down to the roots of what will absolutely expand human potential, your potential, to it. Hello, Ziegler audience. Today, we are going to talk about questioning the norm. Why and what's in it for you? It's a cliche statement and concept, right? We'd all like to think of ourselves to some degree as not being just normal. We're, we're renegades or rebels or leaders or just you know unique people. I mean, the height I was thinking about this of, of being a rebel is, is like a gang member, right? And, and then what really happens? They 100% conform to their own little crowd. So they look the same, act the same and, and are the same and are just going with a, a different flow. Uh, but it's still a flow and it's what we culturally do so much. It's so hard to go against the flow. There's no great prize for going against the flow just for the sake of going against the flow. It just creates more work. Uh, the point is questioning the flow, right? And looking at what truly gets us successful results, what we really believe in and are convicted in and called to, which may require often just going against the flow or opting out, but it'll never be merely going with the flow. It will require a different path than the norm. I mean, I often find myself going against the flow. I connect with uh, a, a, a rebel actually, and, and I don't like that term, but it's rebelling against something, against something that's possibly not correct, not right, not best. And uh, sometimes I do though want to fight a system that seems to be harming people. And there's relevance for that. But our guest today uh, to me, I think took a more peaceful way. He just opted out. And I think there's a significant difference. It's pretty intriguing. So on that, our guest today, a uh, good number of years ago, this guy wrote a book titled the art of nonconformity. 
uh, no way I could deny a title like that. I, I bought the book, greatly appreciated it. Uh, then in the midst of me having a big business with a paid online membership community, helping people transition from traditional employment to self-employment, he wrote a book titled The $100 Startup. I read that, went to a book signing actually and met him there. Uh, I was at a Denver bookstore, went with my friend Justin Lukasavich. Uh, next, the guy writes a book titled The Happiness of Pursuit. And in all truth, I was a little ticked off in a jealous sort of way because the brilliance of that title is just, oh man, I wish I'd have thought of that. It's an awesome title. Uh, so another great book. And I, matter of fact, I think my dad, Dan Miller of the acclaimed 48 Days podcast that you need to check out if you have not yet, I think he sent that book to me. Uh, so now this guy has written a new book, Born for This. He sent a copy to Tom Ziegler and uh, said he'd love to be on our show, to which Tom replied, absolutely. And we are going to talk a little bit about the book today, but the real premise of having him here, I want to talk about his overall perspective, his overall platform of being a nonconformist, of going against the flow or opting out, and just how we can better understand the benefits and the path of that. So who's our guest? Uh, it's Chris Gillibo. You can find him and all these books that we're, that we're talking about that I mentioned at chrisgillibo.com. And that last name is G-U-I-L-L-E-B-E-A-U. And uh, you can go straight to his new book at bornforthisbook.com. So if you don't know Chris, I'll give his bio uh, but he's initially famous for being a guy who has visited every single country, literally every single one. And, uh, you know, I asked in prepping for this interview, I asked Tom about his relationship, Tom Ziegler with, uh, with Chris. And he said, my relationship with Chris is simple. I'm a fan of his work. I don't know him real well personally, but I've followed him for years now and love his statement that many people trade their dream for a car payment. And we're going to dig into that statement with Chris in just a moment. But his, his official bio is this. Chris Gillibo is the New York Times bestselling author of The Happiness of Pursuit, The $100 Startup, and other books. During a lifetime of self-employment, he visited every country in the world, 193 total, before his 35th birthday. Every summer in Portland, Oregon, he hosts the World Domination Summit, a gathering of creative, remarkable people. His new book, Born for This, will help you find the work you were meant to do. Connect with Chris on Twitter, uh, on his blog, or at your choice of worldwide airline lounges, uh, which is uh, so fun. We'll, so we'll talk about that. But we're going to get in again. This, this show, this topic, folks, is for you. It's not just an interesting thing to talk about. The point is, what can we take away from this in our own pursuit of happiness, our pursuit of success and inspiring our true performance. So with uh, no further ado here, I bring you this interview with Tom Ziegler, Chris Gillibo and myself. Let's see what we uncover. Actually, just a second of ado to thank a Ziegler show sponsor, Fresh Books. For all you entrepreneurs running your own small business, a question. If you started this minute, how much time would it take you to catch up on all your client invoices, organize all your receipts, and figure out which client owes you what and when? If just the idea of trying to work all that out feels overwhelming, then you need to give Fresh Books a try. Fresh Books, it's an incredibly simple cloud accounting software made for entrepreneurs and small business owners who want to take the work out of managing their paperwork. 
Join over 5 million FreshBooks users who quickly and easily create and send invoices in seconds. No formulas, no formatting, no fuss. You can snap photos of your receipts using your phone and watch FreshBooks manage your expenses for you. You can even set up FreshBooks to import expenses directly from your bank accounts. So next time you use your debit card for that meal or tank of gas, it's recorded instantly in FreshBooks. The best part about using FreshBooks is that feeling of peace you'll have at tax time. So right now, FreshBooks is offering a free 30-day trial to Ziggler listeners. Just go to FreshBooks.com slash Ziggler and enter Ziggler in the How Did You Hear About Us section. Again, that's FreshBooks.com slash Ziggler and enter Ziggler in the How Did You Hear About Us section. So Chris, welcome. Hey, thanks for giving your time to Tom and me and the Ziggler audience today. Oh, Kevin, thank you so much. And Tom, thank you. It's a huge honor. Well, we, uh, as I often do, I did some research and prep for the Ziegler show. And I'm usually listening for, you know, looking for audios, reading your books and checking up on folks, asking other notable names about you and just doing my homework. But I, I got to say with, with <laughs> Tom's holding up the book yet, yeah, the born, born for this. Yes. Which I talked about in the intro and we'll hit on again. But uh, it was interesting as I first just pulled up your website, which I hadn't been to in a little while. I mean, I've def- definitely been there many times in the past, but uh, I, there's enough content on the front page or two of your website for, for multiple shows. I, I literally pulled some stuff right off of that. And as much as um, I do want to mention some things out of the book, I, I love your overall. I mean, I've been a fan since your first book. Um, actually, it was before that, I think, before The Art of Nonconformity came wow, out. Thank you. you had, well, yeah, you had a. Uh, it's probably on my computer somewhere. You had a manifesto. What was the title of that? That manifesto was called A Brief Guide to World Domination. That's it. That's it. I got – so I had that. So I've got that. I've got every book. I uh, uh, went, I have that too, by the way. Do you? That's awesome. Man. That's awesome. I uh, went to – I shook your hand once at a book signing in Denver at uh, – oh. you know what? Okay, this is really – I it's it's marked off. This is the chapstick I bought at that bookstore okay. because it was just one of those times when it was worth $5 for chapstick at a bookstore. Um, but anyways, it was on your – I think it was the hundred dollar startup book okay. and you did Great. one of yeah, your about four years ago, I guess. Yeah. It was a while I was there with my, my buddy, Justin Lucas Savage, and we uh, yep. listened to you and, and said hi there. Uh, but I'm going to, I'm going to dive. So I'm going to break down some things just from your overall, from the nonconformity to, to, you know, going a different direction, different path for life and uh, hit some of your main statements and just break them down. Now, when I asked Tom about his, uh, relationship with you. He said, Hey, I'm a fan and he loves your one quote. And I'm going to start right there. Many people trade their dream for a car payment. Break that one down Mm -hmm. for us Mm -hmm. right now. You know, I think it came back to, um, a story in my life. Like I thank you as well for that very kind intro. Um, I'm fortunate to have a great community of people, you know, all over the world that I'm able to serve through the writing, the blog, the books. Um, and before that I was living in West Africa for about four years. I was a medical volunteer, uh, for a charity there on a hospital ship. And I, so I started traveling a lot around the region and I traveled in Europe and a few other places. And I was always a big list guy. I love to write things down, like to write down my to-do list and different ideas and stuff. So I started writing down my country list. It was like all the countries I'd been to. And this eventually, like it's a whole other story, but this eventually led to the project of going to every country in the world, um, which was like a 10 year quest that I did. But at the time, I'd been to like 30 or 40 countries, and the first goal was I want to go to 100 countries. And uh, I was like, okay, that seems like a big enough goal. You know, it might take me the rest of my life or whatever. How much would that cost? 
because I'm always interested in thinking about a dream and, and making it practical and saying, okay, it's not just my dream. Like, what are the costs to get there, the financial costs, the time costs, other costs, intangibles? And I realized that it would cost about $30,000 or so, mm. you know, to get to that 100-country limit. And when I realized that, um, I was like, this is amazing because I would never say to your listeners or anyone else that $30,000 is, is a small amount of money, not at all. Um, but when we're talking about a life dream, you know, at the time, uh, some of my friends back home, they were buying cars and they were getting a lease or making a car payment, you know, that would eventually cost you know $20,000 or sometimes $30,000, maybe sometimes more. And I was like, this is my dream. Like, this dream is worth so much. Like, for the life experience I'm going to have to pursue it, why would I not do everything I possibly can to follow that dream? And I'm really glad I did. That, uh, it, so that harkens back. I, I remember being at a book conference Oh, it's probably been 10, 15 years ago. And I think the guy, I think it's automatic millionaire, David Bach and his, mm-hmm. uh, wasn't he the latte factor guy, you know, for the it's price right. of a daily latte, if you would just right, put right. that into an investment, you know, be a millionaire in so many times. Right. So I love you breaking down on that. Yeah. Tom. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just curious when you had your dream, uh, and you're a medical volunteer, mm-hmm. how much money were you making? You know, I, was, I also worked for myself. Um, I'd been an entrepreneur since I was age 19. Um, I got started because I valued freedom and independence, and I wasn't a good employee. And so I had to kind of find my way, basically. So for the past 15 to 18 years, uh, I've been working for myself. In the early days, I was doing online auctions way back when that was a thing. Started building websites, started consulting and freelancing. Uh, and so in Africa, you know, I was a volunteer doing that during the day. And at night, uh, I would kind of moonlight and get on this really like, you know, shaky satellite internet connection and, and do my work back at home. <laughs> That's excellent. I know it's crazy, you know. It's... So the thing about the dream is like, you know, I, I guess I just decided that um, a dream is worth investing in. I like that story you told Kevin about the latte. Like, yeah, if you save like $4 a day, you'll be a millionaire. Well, if you save $4 a day, you can also do some pretty awesome stuff, yeah. you know. So I certainly believe in saving but I guess I also believe in investing in yourself and investing in life experiences because I think that's where a lot of personal growth comes from. Well, I, on your travel, I've got a passel of kids, but my, uh, I got a 16 year old girl and she, that's her heart. She wants to travel. And so I've been talking you up uh past couple of days. I'm gonna have her listen to some stuff because that's, uh, it's a beautiful quote for her. So, uh, you will be inspiring one of my kiddos. Thank you. Awesome, man. That's great. Your website leads off with a quote from Alan. Uh, is it Kitely? Uh, or, or did I, yeah, write I believe that? so. Okay. Yeah. Once in a while, it really hits people that they don't have to experience the world in the way they have been told to. I, I mean, I, I appreciate all my interviews, but I mean, you're barking up my tree here in a big way, you know, my dad and, and, uh, I grew up with this stuff and I, but I yeah. love you bringing this to this culture right now. I mean, you use this as a primary anchor on your website and message. And I'm wondering what it is in your personal life that really brought you to mm. this platform. Mm. Well, in your, in your nice intro, you talked about being a rebel. You talked about how, like, we have this perception or stereotype of a rebel, you know, as, as kind of being negative and actually conforming instead of anti-conforming. Um, but obviously, a true rebel is actually working towards something. Mm-hmm. A true rebel believes in a cause mm-hmm. um, and is willing to sacrifice or trade off to come to it. And I, I guess I just kind of I see my life as this history of, of trying different stuff, and some of it worked and some of it didn't. But... I didn't want, from a young age at least, I didn't want to accept whatever the norm was. Like I said, I wasn't a good employee. I actually wasn't good in school. Um, but then at a certain point, I kind of was able to find, okay, I am actually good at certain things. And 
the more I kind of pursued that by going overseas, um, by starting a business, um, by beginning the quest to visit different countries and cultures, the more I kind of grew into it. So I feel like there's a lot of pressure on people to make decisions in life with limited information. And especially at a young age, like you're supposed to make these decisions and you don't actually know like what profession you're supposed to be into or career. I mean, obviously you guys do a lot of work on this as well. And, um, I don't know. I guess I just, I just, I just kind of felt like experimentation was the way to go. And I went down paths and sometimes I went back to other paths and, you know, I made mistakes, but I was able to regroup. So that's my message to people is, um, there is more than one path, but you know, as you go down one, most successful people in life actually follow a nonlinear path, and they do a lot of different things in their life. Well, so again, talking about my my kids, you're hitting on one. So I've got I got a 20 year old and a 19 year old, and growing up with me and all my work on helping people find their conviction, their calling, their path, they are, it's put some pressure on them. Uh, I have to admit, and they, they're like, what am That's I going to do? And, and that, uh, you know, it's difficult. I know I've done that to them. So I'm doing a lot of not backtracking, but I'm going, guys, you don't have right. to figure it out now. Right. And you're, uh, so they're going to listen to you say that experimentation. I love that. Go out and just try stuff. And they're, mm-hmm. they're grappling with that because they don't want to waste time. They know time is precious. I'm grateful that right. message got through. But then to know, yeah, at 19, 20 years old, what you're going to devote yourself to, uh, I devoted myself to something that was great. I was a pro cyclist for a long time and that ended and I was, I was done with it and I, I went on to something else. And, uh, so experimentation, I, I love that Tom. Yeah. We, uh, when my daughter went off to college, I took her to a, a really well-respected, um, uh, two-day program where they did this deep dive into her personality and what she wanted to help give her direction in what she would study in school, right? Because we gotta we gotta know what we're built for and what we like. And at the end we had a three-hour conversation with this psychologist. And the most powerful thing she said of all of it was this. She said, uh, so what have you done so far? Mm-hmm. And then she said, what don't you like? Mm-hmm. And then she said, hey, try a lot of things and keep track of the things you don't like. Mm-hmm. It's not a problem that you don't like them. Just don't do that again. <laughs> right? right? right. Yeah. And so it Oops. kind of gave her the freedom to explore hmm. because it's not a commitment to like something. It's a commitment to try something. Right. So this is a great example because just as, just as not everyone can visit every country in the world, you know, a lot of people aren't able to have like the two-day deep dive at this critical point of making decisions. And so I would say that um, it's not just young people that have to make decisions, you know, with limited information at all stages in life. Yeah. You know, we have that, especially if you want to make a change, right? If you're not satisfied in what you're doing and you want to either get a different job or embrace entrepreneurship. So, I mean, to pick up on exactly what you're saying, you know, I think a very practical thing that everyone can do uh, is at the end of the day, you know, you get out your notebook or your journal and you simply answer a very simple question did today matter? And you usually know what the answer to that is, right? You're usually able to say like, okay, yeah, I actually did something that made progress toward my goals, toward something I believed in, you know, spent time on the relationships that matter to me, or I didn't, you know, and everybody has bad days once in a while. So maybe, you know, one day you'll say, actually, I just kind of got stuck in my email or, you know, doing some administration or I went down a rabbit trail. It didn't really matter. Um, But I think the goal is, you know, every day to matter, And so when you have those days, you're like, it matters, right? What did you do on those days? 
what did you do on those days that was different on the days that, that you may not be as satisfied with? And so everybody then can then make changes, you know, uh, going forward, regardless of how old they are, regardless of what their career is and what they're going through. So what habits have you created in advance to make sure that tomorrow is going to matter? Yeah, great. Um, so I started doing this introspection thing, as, we, as I just kind of mentioned. Um, I'm actually not so good at that stuff myself. Um, I'm, I'm a big, I, like, I'm really good at productivity and like getting things done. But this is actually more like inner work, inner work or kind of like reflection and, and being more smart or strategic. Uh, one thing I do, though, in terms of the, the work stuff is, um, as a writer, I try to write a thousand words a day. And I set that as my personal goal. And I kind of look back at the end of the day and I'm like, okay, if I did at least a thousand words, that's great. If not, what can I do tomorrow to kind of fix that and get back on that? And so I like to kind of keep a streak going. So for people who are listening, maybe they don't, they're not writers. I think there's some kind of streak, you know, that you can kind of create and build for yourself. And that's very motivating to kind of keep going. Well, I was right with you when you're talking about your, at the end of the day, Asking yourself, did it matter? So there you go, Zig audience. We, we've got a lot of folks who are into this, you know, with the self-talk cards, with the seeing the power. We talk about those a lot of doing those day in and day out, morning and night, and just keeping that streak going. So there's a great one I would put out to all of us to spend the next 30 days asking at the end of the day, writing down, did today matter? Why or why not? But primarily looking for the why and then tracking it, as you said, looking for that thread of why did the days that mattered matter and uh, taking captive. Uh, those well, so I'm going to jump to something that I found out of all your content. Oh my gosh, you know, so much to pick from. But uh, I found a blog, and I honestly don't know what got me to this point, but it just kind of caught me. I like because you let off of some th- things I like. November 2008, so seven and a half years ago, okay. you, wrote, you wrote a blog titled uh, "A Short Collection of Unconventional Ideas," and in it, you just let off with some things that are near and dear to my heart. So, a couple things I'll read right off of it. A year after you leave college, as we talk about young people making a decision, no one will care what your GPA was once you fully, yeah, yeah. Once you fully understand what you want, it's not usually that difficult to get it. Uh, at all stages of life, people will gladly offer you unsolicited lists of things you must do, be, or have. Most of the time you can nod your head, walk away and ignore them. Next, you don't have to live your life the way other people expect you to. And then this was interesting potential. Is good when you're 15 years old. After that, you need to start doing something. <laughs> I just, uh-huh. I just chuckled, and you know, so okay with all those statements. So I mean, you're bucking to get some cultural norms, and I know if you're like me, listening to something you wrote seven and a half years ago is, is a little fuzzy, but I, it, yeah. it was, it was great. Uh, so in my intro to the show here, um, before we started the interview, I did talk about, as you saw, uh, going against the flow, swimming upstream, and admittedly, uh, that's often the tack that I think of, but. Uh, Chris, and I, and I may be wrong, for some reason in what I have experienced of you, I wonder if it was more of a fighting upstream or instead somehow you almost strike me as more of a peaceful, no, you just opted out, uh, which as a fellow nonconformist, that was just interesting as I thought about this when I, was, when I was writing the show. I'm curious how you view that. Is that a relevant in working with so many nonconformists, to some it's, it is, it's a fight upstream. Sure. Some of them just opted out. And, uh, yeah. so I'm just thinking out loud. Yeah, no, that's really interesting. It's, it's funny to hear the things, you know, from seven and a half years ago. Yeah. Um, I think it depends on the, the context and, and what someone's trying to achieve. For me, I like the opted out. You know, I think that's, I think that's a good phrase. I, I didn't feel like I was struggling against other people for the mm. most part. Um, I felt like it was an inner struggle. You know, when I went on the 10 year quest to go to every country in the world, first uh, five years of that, 
know, we're not a public project. I wasn't doing that for fame or anything and just kind of my own, my own thing. And it, the struggle was kind of like with myself, like, can I do it? Can I make it? Um, and I think the same is, same is true with, with trying to achieve one's potential. You know, you have this dream and you work toward it. Maybe you have a crazy idea. And one of the things I learned from talking to all these great people in, in my community and probably some folks in yours as well, is that if you have a crazy idea and you can't stop thinking about it, there's probably something to it, you know? And a lot of people who are very successful have actually had a crazy idea. And instead of, instead of rejecting it, they actually kind of, you know, went back and said, is there something there? What can I do about this? You know, maybe I should actually do this. And if I don't, will I regret it later? So if you're able to ask that and you look back and you're like, yeah, I think I, I would regret it if I don't try it, then, then why not try it, right? So, yes, I'm interested in something you just said there. We are so often, obviously, at Ziggler talking about goals. You know, you, you, yeah. you don't set a destination how you, you're, you're going to float uh, and go nowhere necessarily. And so we're so many people, I think we're prone to Well, we are as humans. We're trying to find a focal point. OK, so what is that specific achievement and find a, a, a literal specific direction? And yet you just said something to the effect of trying to achieve one one's potential. I mean, that's a goal in and of itself that's going to cover whatever the heck you do, but are you sure. or not, do you or not have a goal to achieve your true potential? Well, that's the Ziggler uh, biggest tagline we have, inspiring true performance. So right. trying to achieve one's potential. So as I wrote that, I immediately thought, you know, again, you working with so many people who are, well, I don't know. Are they, do you look at your audience even and say, yes, it's all this, this sea of people who are trying to achieve their potential, or there are a lot of them that they like the idea of trying to achieve their potential, but they may not be actually going after it. Yeah. You know, the vision of achieving your potential, it's a really big thing. And it, it, I think it sounds maybe too broad to some people, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, that's great. I achieve my potential. What's my potential and how do I achieve it? Like these two questions that are left unanswered, you know? So it's a very desirable thing, but I think what, what I'm trying to do in, in a lot of my different work is, is provide practical tools and resources, you know, along this life path, along this, this career path. And as, as for the community, you know, I used to say kind of in a joking manner, but not necessarily, uh, that I'm writing for the dissatisfied. I'm writing for the discontented. Um, and that doesn't mean that they're unhappy. You know, a lot of them are happy people. Um, I try to be pretty happy, but uh, dissatisfied means that you're, you're not happy with the status quo and you want something more. And you have this inkling, you have this idea that, you know, may, like maybe, I might, maybe my potential is greater than what I'm kind of living now or acting out now. And so what you do with that discontent or that dissatisfaction, I think, is, is critical. And so I'm interested in you know, helping people along who are like raising their hand and saying, like, I want more out of life. It's not so much about trying to recruit people who are already satisfied, like I've got my traditional life. That's great. That's fine. But there's a lot of people who want more. And that's that's who I'm writing for. OK, so I'm going to ask a question. It's actually not one of my favorite ones as a guy who's been interviewed a lot as well. But I just can't help it in this sense when you're talking about writing to the dissatisfied and discontented. I love that as far as knowing your target market, knowing your voice, who you're speaking to. But when you look at uh, gosh, old story, I probably heard from my dad. We've all heard it. You know, the, the, the dog that's laying on the porch, it's kind of whimpering. And the guy asks the owner, why is the dog whimpering? Well, he's laying on a nail. Why didn't he get off? It must not hurt enough yet. So in uh-huh. that right, right. standpoint of dissatisfied and discontented yeah. with the current culture, the, the your audience, do you see – and I'm literally just curious. Do you see more yeah. of them um, more discontent and dissatisfaction with the norm, with the culture, and then also 
are the pain points higher? Do you see more people taking action or, or less? Yeah, I think I see, I think I see more action, okay. um, which is good. You know, I think it's good. I think there are a lot more role models now of people who are pursuing alternative or unconventional careers. Um, I think it's, it's almost in the mainstream, maybe not entirely in the mainstream, but it's, it's becoming far more common to be a freelancer, a consultant, to have a side hustle. Even if I've got like a day job, I love my job, that's great, but I'm building something on the side, you know, for my own security, for my family's security. That, that I think is becoming more and more common, which, which is great, you know? Yeah. And, uh, I mean, I think um, when, when people start to go down this path and they find support, when they find community along the way they, and they have a little bit of success, even if it's a very small success, that kind of helps them go on further to the next level. Well, I like that more role models pursuing unconventional careers. It reminds me of the I mean, I remember back in the days when you tried to hide the fact that you're actually working from home and right. then it became a, a prideful thing. No, I work at home, which, I, yeah. you know, I, I, I love right. saying that today. So that's, that's a, a great story of the shift of the shift in the culture. Right it, there. it is. Exactly. And that's what you so I like that more role models. Yeah, which I we end up with a lot of those folks on the, the show that are. And, uh, and yeah. let me just be clear when I say role models, I don't mean authors. I don't mean celebrities. I mean people in your neighborhood, people in your community, in your church, your synagogue, whatever, like people that you know who are actually doing this. That's what I think makes the difference because people can always like point to someone who's on the pedestal or whatever and say, well, that's great for them, but I can't do that. What I think is so great now is like all kinds of, of, you know, people who aren't necessarily known for their platform or their social profile, they're doing it. And that's what I think is great. Okay. So continuing in this vein, and I'm, I do want to get to some specifics on your book, but I just am a fan of your overall, well, philosophy. So that was on your website, your philosophy and reading through that. I want to hit that. I'll read it real quick. You have five things. Uh, the essence of, of your philosophy is you don't have to live your life the way other people expect. Number two, you can do good things for yourself and help other people at the same time. Number three, if you don't decide for yourself what you want to get out of your life, someone else will end up deciding for you. Love that one. We're going to hit on that in a second. Uh, number four, there's usually more than one way to accomplish something. And number five, in short, I'm interested in the convergence between highly personal goals and service to others, uh, which, okay. So I'm going to break down a couple of things. That first one, you don't have to live your life the way other people expect. I mean, I think it's a reasonable statement that most people would nod their heads to, but few, drastically few, we know will take that statement captive and really deeply consider it. So I'm wondering is the question that we ask is how might we be living a life based on uh, other people's expectations? Sure, sure. Well, I think some of this goes to, you know, traditional path versus non-traditional path. And, and again, nothing wrong with traditional path. You know, like I, I, I struggled in high school, but then I actually did go to college and had a you know, pretty good college experience. Uh, what I'm doing now has nothing to do with what I learned in college, but that's okay. You know, that's fine. And then, you know, living life the way others expect, it kind of, you know, goes back to your previous question about the dissatisfied and people taking action. You know, I hear a lot of stories of people who take dramatic action or they get pushed, like they get laid off from their job. And that kind of inspires them to, to start a business or go off into something different. Then they often make statements later and say, you know, when I lost my job, like that, that was a, a shock. Like it was a terrible thing. It felt awful but it turned into like the best thing that ever happened to me, right? Because it kind of forced me to make this change. So I think that's interesting. But what's even more interesting to me is the person who actually is kind of secure in their job, but they don't like it. Mm -hmm. And they actually like 
make themselves make changes and they kind of force like small changes and they're actually able to make the shift to start their business or to go in a different career or whatever, even though everything is kind of just okay. So I think when things are just okay, that's actually more dangerous than, you know, when things are really going bad, because if things are going bad, you have to do something. If things are okay, you could just remain stuck for the rest of your life. Man, absolutely. And when you're in that survival spot, you can't make the right or the best decision generally because of the pressure. But yeah, man, you, you're, you're hitting on some topics, even in some of our recent shows, we did one, uh, last week with Roy H. Williams and talked about the benefit of coming from hardship, literally, and, and the equipping of that and how hard, how much hard, almost a deficit it is. If you lived a nice comfy upbringing because of the lack of hunger to some degree and strength. And it's interesting. You also said, um, uh, traditional life. Now you said nothing wrong with a traditional life. That was another thing that uh, quote we got from Roy last week. He talked about traditional wisdom, which is often more tradition than wisdom. And I, oh, I heard my mind go to you and traditional life is more tradition than a full like life. Yeah. It, well, it was such like a fit. That. Well, just talking on the expectations there yeah. again, forgive I, I made me think about my, my own upbringing, um, with my uh -huh. parents who, you know, yeah. that did a, such a great job, but they, how can you not as a parent have expectations? Sure. And I, as a kid, I wanted to live up to those. And it was later in life of, of having to take that captive and go, okay, wait, what is authentically me? Right, right. Uh, and it caused me to do that. And so now, of course, I'm highly um, concerned to, uh, healthfully with my own kids of going, guys, I can't not have expectations, but be your own person. And yeah. uh, <laughs> my expectation is that you'll be your own person. Right? <laughs> there you, you go. Be your own person or I'll be disappointed. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, so I again, think, I think maybe along with, you know, you're equipping the kids with tools and resources if they want them. Right. Because kids don't always want necessarily what their parents are providing. Yeah. Uh, or they don't necessarily recognize the value until later sometimes. Um, but maybe you're also providing understanding and acceptance because, you know, you realize, you know, what you came out of, you felt some pressure. You had to go on this journey to find your authentic self. So you, you accept, you understand, you love your kids and, and they'll, they'll find their way. Well, and, and yeah, it pulls me back what you said earlier that you're good at being productive, getting things done, but not always as prone to go into the inner work. I mean, that's what we're talking about here. If you're going to not, live by others' expectations, you're going to have to figure out what, well, what your expectations are for yourself sure. um, in essence. Well, okay. So the next thing you said is you can do good. And this is a, well, you said this actually kind of twice in there. You can do good things for yourself and help other people at the same time, uh, which, you know, that, there's an essence of Zig's favorite quote. You can have everything like you want if you'll just help enough other people get what they want. But for yep. you to come out with that, I assume that there was a personal experience with people seeing that as an either or. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if um, I don't know if like I experienced some great conflict between someone saying you can only do something for uh -huh. yourself. Uh, but I guess I just kind of observed from the culture in general that there was this dichotomy between like person following their dreams and person in service to others, you yeah. know, and it was kind of like you're a skydiver or you're a nun. You know, and surely there's some like some meeting in the middle, right? right. Like you, you can, ha you can have that. You can be a skydiving nun, you know, <laughs> um, that's not necessarily the message. There's but, a movie you know, there. Yeah. The message was like, you know, it, it is not, it's ultimately about service to others, but I think we actually find ourselves through that. Um, right. And we can also live out, you know, our own dreams. You know, my dream of going to every country in the world in itself I don't think it helped a lot of people. You know, that was not a service oriented goal or service oriented dream, um, but I still believed in it very much. And so if you have a dream, I don't necessarily think it always has to be connected to service or charity. I think your overall life does. 
and there are different means and ends and things and how it all kind of comes together. But Tom probably has some thoughts on that. I tell you what, I'm just I'm really uh, loving this because it's a constant theme in everything that we have. We, you know, one of the things we teach is we're on this journey from survival to significance. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we go survival, stability, success, significance. In survival mode, the way we define it is you don't know who you are. People are telling you who you are, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so you, you have to, you know, you have to find out who you are and who you want to become and what it is. And then dad created this saying years ago, probably 50 years ago. He calls it the be, do, and have philosophy. Mm-hmm. You got to be before you can do and do before you can have. Now, one of our certified trainers, his name is Gary Boyer, he, he sends me a message uh, a while ago, and he reminded me of it last week. I sent him this little infographic that had all this stuff on one page. And he says, Tom, you just need to add one thing to that be, do, and have. I go, yeah, what is it? He says, you need to put give at the end of it. Mm. you got to be before you can do. Mm-hmm. you got to do before you can have. And you got to have before you can give. Mm. And so when you you do the right things for yourself, then you have the ability to give, whether it's monetary or wisdom or insight into what's really going to make the difference in their life. But you got to, you got to do that process along the way. Yeah. No, I'm so glad you said that. And I think as part of that process, as you follow that crazy idea that we talked about, as you follow that dream, you're actually going to become a better person along the way. You will be changed, you know, in any good quest. In any good journey, you know, the hero has changed along the way. The hero is challenged. The hero has to face all these things, you know, and has to overcome. And then at the end, there's an act of transformation. So by the time you are transformed, you'll have more to give. Okay. All right. So here's an admission uh, off the fly. So I, I said I'm a fan. I've also been somewhat of a critic in the past. And sure. this, is a, this is a true thing that happened. When did you write $100 Startup? When did that come out? When did that come out? Uh, Hundred Dollar Startup was 2012, I believe. Okay, so I was really intrigued with that. Was I do, especially then? Was doing so much work with people trying to transition to self-employment. So I got the book and I looked at it, and some of the examples in there were, and I don't want to name it because I don't want to shame sure, any sure. anyone or diss anyone, That's but fine. there were some of the pursuits uh, in there that people were devoting themselves to that I thought, well, that, that's just it doesn't serve someone. Uh, and I was critical of that and it really spoke to some of my own issues, which was having to prove my heart that I am all about heart and care for people. And so anything that didn't just, just you know, intrinsically tangibly serve someone did not have worth. I have since then, um, been released some from that in realizing that, and, and this goes to, and I, I'm bringing this out because you said you found you sometimes we sometimes find ourselves selves in serving others, but then your dream of travel and your goal there, you said didn't really help other people in the essence of what it is. But then of course I'm thinking that through, I think, well, if it, and this goes to what you said, Tom, if it, if that act was filling you and growing you and creating you, it is part is significant root of what you then took to serve others in that aspect. My wife talks about a lot as a, as a mom, especially that her nature is to just pour out, pour out, pour out. And she finally realized when she, like a lot of moms came to the end of the rope of going, I can't do that without being filled up. So it's a big statement when you go back and say, okay, the pursuit that you feel called to, if it is not the most altruistic life changing uh, endeavor, it's okay. It's okay. Mm -hmm. 
do that. It's going to have benefit. Yes. It's a process. It's a process and everything leads to something. You know, it's like that, that Steve Jobs quote about how you can't always connect the dots. But if you look back, you can connect the dots. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as I was you know, coming to the end of that time in Africa, I was doing some businesses. Uh, I was beginning the travel quest. I, I, too, was feeling dissatisfied. And I felt that there wasn't convergence to all of these things. And that's why I created the, the Art of Nonconformity originally mm-hmm. was because I had this desire to, OK, I want to transition uh, from you know doing things for myself, which is which is fine as we said, uh, to something that is a little bit bigger, right? Mm-hmm. So I think you know the more experiences you have through entrepreneurship, through travel, through education, through the arts, whatever, you know, ultimately it is going to lead to something. Hopefully that that's bigger and better. Hopefully that brings you another dream and also contributes value to the world and those around you. It's just it's just a great insight. I, I do. Uh, again, though, going back I, that you find often, I don't know if you said that you found yourself or that we often find ourselves in service, um, to others. Cause I do, my, my experience has been that when we pursue, when we desire purpose, it's, I have seldom found somebody to say, Hey, I've, I've grasped onto a primary purpose when it wasn't serving somebody. Yeah. So I'm just my quote, my quote, mental, uh, gymnastics are going on. I have this quote and the quote is, uh, First class isn't the seat, it's who is in the seat. It's <laughs> good. Sig- significance is not the role you play, it's who plays the role. Nice. Did you just write that? I'm writing that. Okay. Better publish that. Get that down. Copy, copyright that. Get that. There's your next quote. Kevin, you can't go live on this broadcast and for just a couple of days. All right. All right. You create the quote poster first. Well, um, Chris, and, and I, this may be the last thing I hit before I want to get into the book, but I love that statement. If you don't decide for yourself what you want to get out of life, someone else will end up deciding for you. I, I love that. Uh, it's a statement. Again, I think it's probably easy for most folks, to, listeners, you know, they're going to hear that and go, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, we know the vast majority of people do not intentionally decide their paths. Something happens along there. So when you say, if you don't decide, someone else will can we viably say, or something will like a circumstance. And, you know, I've seen so many people and I, I don't know that they would say, well, no, I'm just, I'm doing what somebody told me to do, but they're doing something that the circumstance yeah. kind of crafted, whether that's a, 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 a tragedy or a trauma or a bad label or, or a sure, marriage sure. even that dictate life or parents that now, you know, the duties heaped upon them and you go along and you realize, gosh, I didn't craft that decision for myself of my direction. Um, Maybe somebody didn't tell me somebody, somebody did, but I, I let a circumstance do it. Either way, I, I feel like what you're saying is if either you're intentional or not. You know, I think we, we all have to make compromises. Yeah. And, you know, there are plenty of people who settle in different ways. I think uh, the whole point is the goal. Like, what is the goal? The goal is that we're getting closer to this intersection of, of life and work where we truly come alive, where it is viable. It's, it's, it's not just a hobby. It's something that is actually going to sustain us. It's something that uses our skills. I mean, that's that's kind of what I'm talking about a lot in the new book. I mean, okay. we're always kind of working toward that. Um, you, you might have to settle at one point for you know two of the three qualities or something, but you're still kind of working to get closer and closer. Yeah. And I think the good news is for everybody listening to this podcast, like they've already self-identified, mm. right? Anybody who, anybody who comes to the organization, your organization, or listens to this podcast, they're like raising their hands. They're like. You know, I want to take action, you know, show me how to take action. Give me, give me the tools, give me the steps and the tips. So they're already in this circle, you know, I don't know, top 1%, top 2%, whatever. 
you know, uh, of being on that pathway of figuring out, okay, here it is. What, here's what I want. Here's how I'm going to get it. Here's how it will ultimately lead to service. All these things that we're talking about. So it's more like if you're on the outside, you have no tools, you have no resources, you've never heard anything like this before. That's where I think it's challenging. Goodness. Okay. Well, you mentioned the book um, that, that, that a lot of this we're talking about is what's in here. Uh, you have the description for the So folks, Born for This is Chris's new book that you can find at bornforthisbook.com and also at, his, at Chris's personal website. Um, but the description for the book is win the career lottery and find the work you were born to do. Uh, the new book is the culmination of years of research on what people who have found or created their uh, on, on people who have found or created their dream job. From the outside, it looks like these people have been lucky, but in reality, they followed a process of trial and error to get exactly what they want. Um, and so, this is a culmination. Uh, it feels like of so many people that I know you've been privy to their their lives and people who have found that that thing, you know, the, uh, the city sticker slickers, uh, that, that one thing to some degree, and not that it'll yeah, ever yeah. Be. but uh, the, is that what it feels like? This is a culmination of that. Yeah, it is. And I, and I think maybe in some ways you might like this book better than the hundred dollar startup, uh, because it is very much about purposeful mm-hmm. work, uh, whether through entrepreneurship or through being part of an organization or company. And I try to follow a, a pretty research-based process. I'm not just making things up. I mean, I spent two years, you know, interviewing lots of people, more than 1500 interviews, we look at all kinds of data. We try to determine trends. Right. Uh, so try to really understand, okay, you know, people who are successful, and by successful, I don't just mean wealthy. I mean, they, they, they feel purposeful. They enjoy their work. It's viable. They're using their skills, you know, in the right way. Um, what do they have in common? They're from all different professions and careers. What do they have in common? You know, okay. and how can we distill these lessons in a way that's helpful for the reader? I mean, that's, that's 100% my goal is that people will read the book and, you know, something in it will be helpful to them. They'll be able to take action. You know, they'll turn the page and find like, oh, I'm, there's a strategy I'm going to apply. Oh, I mean, this is going to help me with my side project. Oh, this will help, you know. So that, that for me is the goal. It's not about, uh, like, I'm not a journalist. I'm, I'm not an anthropologist. Like, I'm actually advocating something and trying to put something forward. Well, it's... It- Okay. On that note, do you feel, would you say from an overall goal of the book or you, as your goal, is it giving people your intent or your hope for people that it would give them uh, permission or a path or inspiration or yes to all? Well, people don't need permission from me or anyone else, right? I mean, people have to, people should take permission and people should get out a piece of paper and write permission slip on it. And carry, put that in their pocket and carry that around with them, you know, throughout the rest of the day and the rest of their lives. So, well, uh, wait, let me just state there. So folks, Chris just gave you permission and you don't need it, but if you did need a little (laughs) push, it comes from the piece of paper. Uh, There you go. I think what I try to do is, is, is tools and resources, you know, tools and resources. You're in this place of personal growth. You want to make changes. You want to better yourself. How then do you do it? You know, here are 300 pages of how you do it. I mean, that's, that's kind of what I'm about. Okay. Well, and you give some bullet points on, on this and folks, I won't, I won't go through them now. Please just go to, uh, go, go to the website. Um, but you, you end the, some of the bullet points on just the explanation, whichever path you choose, this book will show you how to find that one job or career that feels so right. It's like you were born to do it. Um, and my thought is, well, who would not want to read this book? So instead of, instead of digging into the details of the book, folks, just go get it. Uh, but I'm going to ask you an overarching question. So this Hmm. book can literally help people. Um, I think you would agree with that, but many will read it as we all do sometimes. And we read, it's another amazing book. We're inspired. It could massively change my life, but I haven't done anything to, I didn't take action on it. So 
If someone's yeah. about to open the book, Chris, if you've got a, a yeah, captive yeah. audience, you're in a room, you got a class, they're going to read the, they're going to sit there for two hours straight, three hours, whatever, and read it. What would you offer at the front of it as the author to say, let me offer this to help you better, get your mind straight, open yourself to be ever be better able to digest and take action. Okay. Is there a, a real or perceived okay. optical obstacle you would want to remove or? Okay. No, I like that. That's a great question. So, you know, in, in one pocket, you've got your permission slip that you've just written for yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe let's take another piece of paper. And in your other pocket, you're going to write three words. And these three words are joy, money, and flow. And so I've talked about this a little bit in this conversation. The book gets into it and much more. Um, but basically, the, the book is formed around this model of helping people get closer to this point of, of joy. They love their work. Money, it's viable. It's sustainable. Uh, and flow. They're using their skills in a unique way. They're doing something that comes natural to them. They lose themselves in their work, kind of look up and lots of time has gone by because they're actually doing something that they're particularly good at. Um, So write down joy, money, and flow. And when in doubt, think about those things. You know, as you make career decisions, big decisions, small decisions, where should I go for lunch? Should I go to this meeting or not? Should I take this call? Should I work on this project or this project? Joy, money, flow. You know, it's not like a, like a one, two, three. It's like three circles. And where is the overlap between them? That would be the number one thing I would say. Tom. Well, having read a good part of the book, I'm sitting there going, what would I say about it as a reader? Yeah, please. Yeah. And uh, I'll give you uh, something that I do in, in the programs that I do. And halfway through the day, I have the whole room repeat after me. They don't know what I'm going to say. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. I say, repeat after me. And I say, I am. And the room says, I am. And then I say, ridiculously in charge. And they repeat it. Of my dreams. And then I don't say anything for almost a minute. And you can just, you can feel the the awesomeness that goes over the, it's like a wave that goes through the room. It's great. Because people, their whole lives, they've, they've thought wait a second, I'm supposed to fit in. This is, you know, I was supposed to do this and this happened for a reason. And they've never really bought into that fact. I am ridiculously in charge of my dream. That's good. I like that. I do too. I like that. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm ridiculously. I'm going to stand up in my office right after this interview and, and say that to myself. I was going to say, absolutely. <laughs> well, and, and I love that joy, money, and flow as a GPS in essence. Mm, yeah. um, I like that. Well, folks, again, it's bornforthisbook.com. Um, I got, I got two, two more things. One of them, you know, on this aspect of Tom, you said it fitting in that so much, I mean, come on, your lead off book, you know, was, was, uh, the art of nonconformity. Just, I like, I like to remove obstacles for, for folks and hear where they may discount things. And the reality of getting the cards on the table, say, if you're going to go a different direction, if you're going to take an alternative approach to, to life and in so many different facets, there is going to be, and I think I saw this in some of your content, uh, Chris, there's going to be some social ramifications to that. Usually it may cause some friction. Sure. Is that something that we can just set out and go? Yes, it will. If you want to, if you don't want any friction with anyone, then go with the flow. If you're going to, there probably will be. And do we just get that on the table and just yeah. understand it? I mean, I mean there, there might be for sure. I do think the greatest resistance and the greatest challenge is internal, not external. Okay. You know, I do think like being stuck, being paralyzed with indecision, you know, not being able to get past the fears that all of us have 
um, I think those are by far the biggest challenges compared to what somebody else will think or something. Okay. But yeah, yes, if you're surrounded by pe- with people who don't believe in your dream, um, then you need new friends, basically. You know, and if it's your family who doesn't believe in your dream, then obviously they're still your family. Um, but you need other people who support you. Absolutely. You know, you need people who believe in your dream. That's the bottom line. Okay. The end of your, I think I got this off the end of your email, Chris. So this is outside of your content. I think, tell me if I'm wrong, but it's a quote by Erica. Is it Zhang? That sound right? I'm not sure. Keep okay. Going. Well, I'm going to read it. I got it somewhere for you. And I thought it was the end of an email, but here's the okay. quote. And, and this is, and I'll, I'll wrap us up here um, because it's just, it's a beautiful quote. It says, do you want me to tell you something really subversive? Love is everything it's cracked up to be. That's why people are so cynical about it. It really is worth fighting for being brave for risking everything for. And the trouble is if you don't risk anything, you risk even more. Hey, where did I get that from, from you? You remember? Yeah, I think it must have been an email. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I like a lot of things about that. I mean, obviously, like the pursuit of, of love and love is the highest value above, you know, for everything, including our work. Um, I don't mean to say above. I mean, like within and integrated. But I like the last part, too, about risk because uh-huh. people people overestimate, you know, what the risk is in pursuing a new career path. And they think it is so, so risky. Um, but, you know, sometimes the greatest risk is, is to remain where we are, as Absolutely. you pointed out. Uh, to remain in that place of complacency. And I think anybody can be in that place, right? You can actually be very successful, but, but somehow become complacent. Yeah. And so, you know, growth is always the thing that we have to, to go for. That's, that's the, you know, human destiny. Okay. Well, again, yeah, I love that, that, that risk. Absolutely. The, uh, I think that's what really caught me in at the risk of doing X, Y, Z, and we don't calculate the risk of staying where we are. Well, I'm interested when I see somebody who has a quote that they have attached to their email, their signature in oh. essence. And I wonder, is that, so I'll ask you in the, in regards to this, is that a quote you put there with the thought of delivering it to whoever you're sending emails to so that they would receive it? Or was it more of a, this is something that is, I, I identify with. Oh. It's a label for me. I think it's both. I think it's both. I think a lot of the things that, I, that I've shared over the years are, are kind of lectures to myself essentially, you yeah. know, or self-talk that I'm trying to like not psych myself up, but give myself the courage maybe to, to do something. And, and then I, I kind of put it out there in hopes that it might be helpful for someone else as well. Okay. Well, I know you came onto this show just to give of yourself and your heart. So you're not promoting yourself. I am though, because I want people to benefit from it. So folks, it's born for this book.com. And if you'll just end us by uh, telling us a little bit, I think you have an upcoming tour or are you in the middle of it? Yeah. Um, well, it's, it's starting as soon as the book comes out uh, on April 5th, and I'm doing 30 cities all across North America, and then probably beyond after that. So if you're listening to this later, um, I still might have some tour dates. So it's also on that same website, bornforthisbook.com. Okay. Well, hey, thank you. Tom, good call. You guys yes. are great. Thank you so much. <laughs> thank awesome. you. Thanks so much. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in to The Ziggler Show. Talk to you soon.